And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We got a win. Uh, that's all that matters to me. Uh, we were so happy after the game. You know, it's been a tough stretch. Uh, but, you know, it always feels good to win a game. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Thursday. We've got, you know, a good chunk of the action covered from uh, what was a pretty busy night in the in the NBA on Wednesday night. I'm Dave DeFort, joined as I am each and every week on Thursday mornings by my co-host and producer, Andrew Schlecht. Andrew, not a lot of action tonight, huh? <laughs> it's, it's Wednesday, man. It's always just an overload, just an overload of NBA action. There were approximately 47 games, and you know what? We're, we're doing our best here. Uh, if you guys have not already, go to theathletic.com slash daily ding. It's $3.99 a month right now. Go sign up. Do us all a favor. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about some of the wild finishes. Teams fouled up three, Andrew. Oh, praise a be. team praise be. fouled with a, with a three-point lead. I am excited. But first... I think it's safe to say that Dallas has now officially won the Luka Doncic Trey Young trade because they won this game tonight. 122-116. The the Mavericks break a six-game losing streak. Andrew, they have looked awful. awful. They have looked so bad, but they are now, here's the bright side. They are now 500 when healthy. They are now one and one. When at full health, and I'd argue they still are not at full health because Maxi Kleba and Kristaps uh, Porzingis both look a little hampered to me. But sure. I think the Mavs have got to be pumped. Yeah, they were in the worst kind of spot because you could argue that like, oh, it's it's awful that the Grizzlies have had to miss all these games and the Wizards have had to miss all these games. But the Mavs have had enough guys to trudge through, right. and that's the worst kind of place to be. Because you don't You're get stuck a chance in the middle. to make up those games. You just you just stink because you have to play Willie Cauley-Stein 35 minutes a game. It's like being the 8 or 9 seed. Yeah. Right? Oh, congratulations. You're the 8 seed. You're going to get dusted by the Lakers. <laughs> or, congratulations, you missed the playoffs and you're going to have an awful draft pick. That's where the Mavericks have essentially been. Yep. And, and, you know, I host the, the Mavs show with Tim Cato, 77 Minutes in Heaven, and I... F- felt like a broken record for the last three weeks because they've been dealing with injuries and the health and safety protocols. And it's like, okay, look, you can have opinions about this team, but they're all wrong and ill-informed because you have no idea what this team is. But what we got tonight was a team that actually was able to score, was playing passable defense for the first time in forever. Yep. It's been it's been about 10 games since they've been able to put together any sort of defensive effort. And guys actually started at the end of this game to make open shots, which has been a, a, an Achilles heel for the Mavericks. They're shooting like some god-awful 32% or something like that number on open catch-and-shoot threes. Yeah, it's worse than the um, NBA. 
it's it's awful. And they didn't make a ton tonight. I mean, for most of this game, like this game should have been a blowout if we're just saying you're going to hit league average on these open shots. They would have hit three or four more threes, and it wouldn't have even felt like a game. But this game was so close down the stretch because Dallas could not put them away when they needed to. And, and let's be honest. The Hawks didn't make it easy. The Hawks can score with anybody. Tonight, John Collins, 35 points, 12 rebounds. Really just eight against the Mavericks. He did. I, have we gone too far with Collins? Because there's a lot of oh. there's a lot of like hate toward John Collins, but you watch him play and it's he just is crazy productive. And I get that there are there's some weaknesses that he has in his game that maybe don't lend to him being like a focal point on a playoff team, but there's no denying the productivity from this guy. 35 points, 12 boards, one assist. He hit. He shoots threes and makes them. He was three of four from three. Uh, he's a really, really nice player. And whether he's a yeah. hawk next year or wherever he lands, like he's he's going to be a guy that's going to be productive in the league for a long time. John Collins is a guy that makes me feel like my brain is just not working properly. Yeah. Because I watch him play, and I watch him do things like he did tonight – 35 points. I mean, this guy is a 2010 double-double machine. Mm -hmm. He's 23 years old. Is he a great defender? No. But at at the four, I think he's more than passable. Yeah. uh, In particular, as a help rim protector. And it breaks my brain when I I see people talk about him. Like, if this guy isn't a max, right? And and I'm not saying he's one of the best players in the league. But the CBA kind of defines who a max player is. If John Collins isn't a max player, then... Nobody in his age group is because this guy puts up numbers. It's all he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and perhaps maybe Atlanta's not the best situation for him, but maybe if you get him to like a really good situation, I I don't think that he's like inept on the defensive end. Like he's not a total sieve. Uh he he could definitely use some more guidance, but I, I don't I don't know. I mean, if I'm Atlanta, I, I I think the move is to extend him. I think the move is to oh, I to, agree to bring him back in because the fit there is nice. Kevin Herter, Kevin Herter is awesome. That guy, Dude, the, the Hawks are great. Like the Hawks great. are great. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they are going to be so good here in a couple of years when these guys hit. I mean, they they play this game tonight without DeAndre Hunter, who arguably Dude. has been their best or second best player all season, without a doubt. When you the Hawks are good. They're man. good. If you think that defense is half of the game, then DeAndre Hunter has easily been their best player this year. Yeah, but but Kevin Herter, all right, Cam Reddish had kind of a rough game. Although defensively, I, I thought you know, like you know what you're getting from Cam Reddish. Yeah. Um, but Herter was great in this game. Trey Young, 21 points. You know, he was dealing with the trap and, and giving oh, it man. up, making the right play. Yep. I, I thought the Hawks looked great. But now on the other end. Luca was doing the same thing. When they were trapping, Luca was giving the ball up. And a lot of times you had Dorian Finney-Smith on the receiving end of, of open three-point looks, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to do it. Like, the Mavericks clearly have a personnel issue to a certain degree when it comes to their shooting woes. But a lot of it, I think, is just bad luck that as they round into shape and actually get to play together, hopefully that that's going to change. But what did you think about the way that Luca handled those traps, especially late. Uh, you know, I, I actually liked seeing him give the ball up and letting other guys make plays. Yeah, I think that's been one of the big criticisms of him so far this season is that he just kind of looks very Houston James Hardeny, right? 
that he's the only engine of the offense. When Josh Richardson is a guy that can do stuff with the ball, and so I think giving the ball to him, I think uh, Jalen Brunson is another very capable ball handler. And so giving those guys chances, I think, is is helpful. And even Tim Hardaway Jr., he's not a guy that I'm like, oh, we got to put the ball in his hands, but he can go create a shot. He can go get you a Absolutely. bucket. And he did well, that at the tonight. end of the fourth. In the at the end of the fourth, they they started without Porzingis and without Luca, mm-hmm. which is rare for them. They they basically are staggered. Uh, that unit not only was it more than passable defensively; it might be one of their ba- best defensive units. Um, but Tim Hardaway Jr. was kind of leading them off the dribble, mm-hmm. and I thought they they looked really good at the start of the fourth, and that that was sort of the push that gave them a nice cushion to withstand the Hawks' late-game push when the Mavericks just sort of fell apart. So, you know, to, to kind of piggyback on your sentiment there, I think there was a lot of growth from Luka, maybe not just in this game, but this game illustrated that. Yeah. Allowing your teammates to take advantage of the advantages that you create is half the battle of being a superstar. Without a doubt. And these guys, and these guys aren't knockdown shooters, mm-hmm. and so – they have to be able to create off the dribble. And you can't and the thing about it is if you're just a role player coming off the bench, you're going to need the ball some to have some uh, some sort of comfort level. Uh, it can't just be Luka 24/7 with that team. He's got he's got to give it up. And you know, Luka's a guy that can that attracts the defense. And so it just makes mm-hmm. it easier on everybody. Uh, if you're giving it up just a little bit, I'm not. I'm not advocating that like Jalen Brunson be like the primary ball handler here, but I am advocating that Luca just distribute the ball a little bit better around the offense, and I I feel like that was a part of this victory tonight. Yeah, this is not a Giannis situation where where Luca really needs to take a secondary no no ball handling role no. no. Uh, let's talk about Porzingis because you know again I I, I still get the feeling that physically he's not all the way back. He had 24 points in this game, 11 rebounds, had a really nice dunk. Mm -hmm. Still not shooting the ball well at all, and and a lot of these are open looks that he's missing. In particular, early shot clock, deep threes. So I don't even think they're great looks that he's taking. It's almost, you know, he's he's a rhythm player. And and it looks to me like he's constantly in search of his rhythm right now. And, And I think that that's just because he's only played in a handful of games and coming back from the knee injury. But he doesn't look good. Their defense is worse with him on the court. And they're definitely not going to bring him off the bench. So, you know, is Maxi Kleba in the starting lineup and Dorian Finney-Smith, is that enough that that you can play Porzingis big minutes while he's still, you know, rounding into form? Or, or do they have to figure something out where maybe they don't lean on him as heavily until he's ready to go? I think you just kind of have to work him back in the lineup. I think... You, you need to have Maxi Kleba and Finney Smith out there just because they're two of the most capable defenders out there. And if they're going to have any semblance of a defense, I think they came into this game 19th in defense in the league, and mm-hmm. a lot of that is very noisy. But if they're mm-hmm. going to have a average defense, they have those guys have to play, and they have to be the role players surrounding Luka, Porzingis and Josh Richardson. I mean, that's to me, that's just it. I mean, who, what other, what, what would, I mean, I don't even know what the other option would be um, coming off the bench. I mean, maybe Tim Hardaway bring him in for more firepower, but I'd rather have him off the bench. So I think it's the right move. I think you just need to get him back and acclimated to, to playing in these games. And honestly, like <laughs> this season is going to, 
when we look back at it, I feel like this season is going to be such a wash in so many ways. And so even if you think like this lineup could be your lineup for even next season, like just play right. it, just play it because this season is strange in so many ways. And, you know, just watching the Mavericks for any length of time this season is uh, is a window into that. Well, you know, this season's so weird that Dallas and Atlanta could potentially meet in the finals. <laughs> right? Like, I have no happen. idea. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I mean, it's just so hard to tell what exactly is going on with these teams. But I do think Atlanta, you know, missing DeAndre Hunter clearly tonight, um, you know, he would have been really important for them. But uh, overall, they have to be pretty excited about the way that they met the challenge, especially end of game. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, they're they're probably a little bit too invested financially to care a lot about moral victories, but they didn't quit. And they were down pretty big late and I like I liked the way that they came back. I liked Trey Young being being aggressive toward the end of game. Um of course, early shot clock deep 3, which I was just deriding Porzingis for. <laughs> Trey happens to hit it, so I feel better about it, yeah. but I didn't love that down the stretch, uh, but but overall, I think his aggressiveness is what got them back into the game. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a star. I mean, he just is. And when, essentially, if he has an open window to a bucket, especially in this game where they're trapping him so often, he's just got to take it. He's just got to take it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. In news, zero players tested positive for COVID-19 in the last week. Andrew, that's a success. That's fantastic. It's one of the biggest wins of the week. The only good COVID news is that nobody tested positive in the NBA last week. Yeah. yeah. Or at least no players. Yep. Right. That's it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the other big talking point today, I don't even know if – can't really call this news, but apparently Jared Dudley wrote a book. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, That was news to me. Uh-huh. Um, but they did uh, – he had some pointed words about Paul George. And, and, you know, listen, I have both started the MVPG campaign Okay. when he was in Oklahoma City. That was me. Uh-huh. I started that. And I have also made merciless fun of Paul George. Yeah. But if you're okay with Patrick Beverly talking trash, you have to be okay with Paul George talking trash. Apparently, Jared Dudley is totally fine with Beverly. Uh, to quote from the book, it's fine if Kawhi says stuff like that. He's defending a championship. We don't trip if someone like Patrick Beverly is talking trash. That's how he feeds his family. We get it. We respect the hustle. But we think it's disrespectful for Paul George, who hasn't won, to put himself on the level of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. This motivates us. 
Okay, now this is this is a uh, a book, I guess, about being in the bubble. At that point, Andrew had Anthony Davis ever won shit. <laughs> he had not. No. I look, look, man. Basketball is a shit talking sport. I, like I yeah. grew, I've played basketball since I was like five years old. I'm one of the biggest shit talkers of all time. I'm sorry, man. Like you just don't get to say who can talk shit and who can't. And also. Paul George is better than everybody in this conversation except for LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Sure. I think the issues with Paul come from the just the wild inconsistencies with the conversation. Oh, I know the issues with, with Paul George. I mean, the issues with Paul George is that the only only consequential game-winning shots that he can hit are in Gatorade commercials. <laughs> <laughs> or just regular season games. Or January, yeah. right? Like, no, I understand the issues. And and listen, I'll make fun of Paul George. I'm not in the NBA. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But I, I just think that it's it's a little funny that Patrick Beverly, it's fine if he talks trash, but not Paul George. Like, come on, give me a break. <laughs> I kind of love it, to be honest. It was Paul Paul is just he, he's he just asks for it in so many ways because Oh, he, he invites it. Oh, it he is the NBA whipping boy. And it's funny that he's become that because he was, I mean, just years ago, he was this like budding star and that could do no wrong. And so many people loved him. And then he kind of bounces around a little bit, you know, where he wants to go, says Mm -hmm. he wants to stay in Oklahoma city, says he's here to stay up on a stage next to Russell Westbrook, smoking a cigar. And then he's gone within one one year from that, and so which is a shame because he grew up an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Yeah, he was a he was a huge Thunder fan growing up. Yeah, I can't wait until you know four years from now when he's playing for the Kansas City Monarchs, and and he talks about growing up as a little lad, <laughs> watching the Monarchs wearing the royal blue and white or whatever the colors are going to be. Uh, anyway, uh, I I just listen. I think the big the big takeaway here is Jared Dudley wrote a book. <laughs> he, he wrote a book. That was news. <laughs> Huge news around the NBA. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Other games from the night. Uh, Dude, the Bucks blew out the Pacers. And, you know, this was a game that we had circled. We were like, oh, wow, this could be like a, a playoff preview. But it's the NBA regular season, which means, you know, the likelihood of a blowout pretty high, especially this year. And it was a blowout. Uh, Giannis had 21, 14, 10 assists. Uh, nice, easy triple-double for Giannis. Also, he only played 31 minutes. Yeah. that's To me, that's the big stat to take away. Get those wins. 
and don't play a bunch of minutes so you're ready for for the playoffs. Uh, the Pacers, you know, not worried about them yet, but they have lost a couple of games against some good teams. I'd like to see them get a couple of good wins under their belts. Uh, the 76ers beat the Hornets. The Hornets were actually getting blown out in this one and, and fought back to, to make it kind of close, but Joel Embiid is just too much. Andrew, we're starting to get into MVP talk season, and I know we only get about a 10-day window before everyone tells us to stop talking about it because it's already decided. But Joel Embiid, to me, is probably, in the Eastern Conference, probably the leader yeah. in the clubhouse as far as I'm concerned for MVP. He's been a monster. I mean, tonight, 34 points, 11 boards, two assists, two steals, and a block. And... He plays for the 16-6 and six Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, when it, when it comes to the MVP, the things that matter are just crazy stats, and we've seen that with Giannis, and wins. I mean, that was the ticket for Giannis to win it twice. And Joel Embiid is doing that this season. So to me, to me, he's the leader overall for MVP. I know LeBron is also there, but man, Joel has been so impactful on both ends. And really, he's he's kind of helped the rise of the of the big man to come back. He and Jokic are leading the way to show that like the center position is not dead. The the Heat and Wizards kind of had a wild game, uh, very back and forth down the stretch. Bradley Beal scores thirty two points. Um, okay, so I've been worried about the Heat now for a couple weeks. Yeah. If you lose to the Washington Wizards, I, it's past the point of me being worried, mm-hmm. right? Like. There's a whole nother thing happening now. Yeah, this is it's concerning because you they've they have Jimmy. They've had Jimmy for the past couple games. Uh, Bam Adebayo is I, I still feel like has been really good, and it's really all the role players around them. I think that they really have missed Jay Crowder. I think that he was a huge part of what they were doing, and it's it's a little perplexing to me how they've been so bad. Um, when you do have other teams that have had tons of guys missing, at the Heat have as well. But man, it—I don't know. I don't know when we become concerned just because everybody's mediocre in the league right mm-hmm. now. And so if they rip off five in a row, they're right where they need to be. So I—I'm not worried. But tonight was perplexing to me because that Wizards team, even w- without Russell Westbrook, is. They're just not a good team. Like they're just they flat were, out not good. The Heat were leading by 13 points at one point in the second half. Yeah. You just I mean, look, I, I will say this. Credit the Wizards. Mm-hmm. Right? We can hit on on the Heat all day. But credit the Wizards because this is not the first time they've done it. Right? Like they they came back against the Nets. They were down 18. Yep. And won that game. They just came back from a from a 13 point second half deficit in this game. And so while they are awful, I mean, they're God awful. They're five and 13, but they're playing like Rui Hachimura. Denny Avdia is playing big minutes. You know, Davis Bertans, I don't know. He left his jumper in Dude, Europe, it's I guess, w- when he came back. Um, you know, they lost Thomas Bryant for the season. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things I, I think that, that we can take away that are positive about the Wizards. The overall win record, uh, just throw it out the window. This is a really big win for them. They needed it. They needed it badly. And I don't know. Did you did you see the clip of of Jimmy Butler and Bradley Beal grabbing onto the ball, uh, and Jimmy pushing Beal all the way down the court? 
<laughs> to me, that was just kind of a microcosm of that game. Like they, they both wanted it so bad that they just would not even let go of a dead ball. Uh, it was unbelievable. Uh, the the late game Kings beat the freaking Celtics, and honestly, man, like there's two guys that that I think you can you can really credit for this win. Obviously, De'Aaron Fox was just electric in this game, especially down the stretch. He had 26 and 11, really took over and and won the game for Sacramento. Mm-hmm. But everyone is going to get tired of hearing me say this name over the next few years. This is going to wind up when Danny Green is no longer in the league. This will be my Danny Green. But Tyrese Halliburton, I, I think he's, if he's not right now the leader in the clubhouse for rookie of the year, like if he's not the leader for rookie of the year, he's close second to LaMelo. Yeah. He, 21 points tonight, four assists, just making plays, man. He had a, this steal on, on a save by Grant Williams. And, you know, he was under the basket when Grant is going out of bounds to get the ball. And he intercepts the pass on the opposite three-point wing. Just really understands what's happening on the basketball court at all times. Yeah, he's a brilliant basketball player. He can really shoot it. He's got great vision. Everybody knew these things about him at the draft. This was not these are not unknown things about Tyrese Halliburton. Everybody knew that this was the profile, and for some reason he just fell. And I think part of it is ceiling that people, some people worry that he doesn't have elite athleticism. So maybe he doesn't have a high ceiling, but uh, in, in that draft, uh, there's not many guys that had high ceilings. And so uh, it was, I think lots of people are going to be kicking themselves for not taking him because he's already a guy that can come off the bench and be not only productive, but impactful on winning. And I think that's just going to continue to grow. And the Kings, the Kings, man, the Kings make tons of mistakes when it comes to the draft and player personnel, but uh, they did very, very well with this guy. Yeah, I mean, he's he's really good. Also, I love this draft class. It, it's a Dave Dufour draft class. A bunch of role players, a yeah. bunch of really, really high IQ players who know where to be. Uh, you know, uh, some of them can knock down shots. Desmond Bain, you know, who uh, there's just a lot of useful players in this draft class. So, you know, I feel like it was unfairly derided, but also they may have gotten a little bit of an advantage by having nine months to train for the <laughs> their first NBA season. Right. I'm not sure which one it is. We're, we're, was everyone wrong or did these guys just have an unprecedented opportunity to get their bodies and minds ready for the NBA? We'll never know. But... You know, I'm kind of I'm kind of on both sides of the fence there. Mm-hmm. The Pelicans blew out the Suns, one twenty three to one hundred one. Um, not not really all that shocking. I mean, the Pelicans have the ability to do this when things are clicking for them, and and they clicked for them tonight. The Suns were eight of thirty five from three. The Pelicans were fourteen of thirty three. If you game. can, if you can double up your your opponent in three point percentage. And get up over 30 attempts, guess what? You're going to win a lot of games. And it worked for him. Zion was absolutely fantastic. He's really starting to look like he's getting into shape now. Yeah, I know we've said this before, but he's finally starting to look like he's got some conditioning. He was 12 of 14 from the field. He's just a monster. And especially contrasting that with DeAndre Ayton, Mm -hmm. who is just strangely unaggressive. At his he's size. so skilled. He's so skilled, but there's just it, you just feel like that lack of physicality. Yeah, no one's afraid of him. 
I mean, and, and it's weird because he sh- he should be like he's a specimen. He is. The guy is a he is a an athletic freak. When you watch him run down the court, it's almost like it's like Serge Ibaka. You know, like you, it's just beautiful to watch. The guy just moves. He almost glides when he runs. Yeah, and just no force behind anything he does. He even looks like a man in the face. So like, <laughs> what's going on here? There's is he a guy or dude or he's more definitely more of a he's, dude. Definitely more think, of a dude, but I think he's gonna be a guy. I think he uh, will be too. I I am, but I am worried about the defensive end because if you're a center and you're not like Jokic elite on the offensive end, like you gotta play defense. Like you have to stop somebody, and uh, you can't you can't let Zion Williamson, who just doesn't shoot anything outside of like three feet, go twelve or fourteen. Like you just can't do that. Yeah, it's a rough matchup for everybody, but Maxi Kleba will have a job. As long as Zion's in the league. He's the one guy that like knows how to guard him. Exactly. Uh, we got to talk about your Oklahoma City Thunder because this is now a weekly tradition. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> they beat the Rockets 104 to 87. And the Rockets have been playing really well. Um, mm-hmm. Listen, the Thunder are too good to tank. Hey. Are they going to make the playoffs? No, 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 no. Are they going to make the play in? No, 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 no. no I don't know, no. man. They're 9 and 11. They're, they're you know. They're, they've been frisky. I mean, this to me tonight is like this is the Mark Degnault game because this, these are the guys that played tonight: Darius Baisley, Al Horford, Teo Maladon, uh, Hamadou Diallo, Justin Jackson. Those are the big minute guys for this team tonight. No Shea. Dort went out early with an injury. Uh, George Hill had surgery a couple days ago. Uh, this is and and uh, and our guy, my guy, Kenny Hustle. 19 points on eight shots tonight. He was unbelievable. Uh, but, yeah, they they had no business winning this game. This was just the Rockets. Part of this was the Rockets just, like, missing just a buttload of shots and just not yeah. not being engaged. And the Thunder, like, the Thunder were mad. Post-game, uh, I mean, they got just completely dismantled by the Rockets on Monday. Post-game, they were super pissed. And, you know, the Rockets relaxed. And so that's and that you we're gonna get these with these mini series that we have throughout mm-hmm. this season. This this is gonna happen when you have big lopsided games like that. I mean, almost always they're gonna go back the other way or at least be a close game in the second one. Yeah, uh, Al Horford had seventeen, so seventeen and six rebounds for for any teams out there looking to make a deal. Maybe Al Horford is the center for you. Uh, the Knicks beat the Bulls 107-103. Uh, the Knicks are now 10-13, and 13, so, you know, still a good, fun story. Julius Randle, 27 points, uh, has just been fantastic. But R.J. Barrett, another really good game from him, 17, uh, 8 of 16 from the field. Just, you know, I really love the way he, he looks so comfortable now attacking the basket. I, I don't love that the Knicks only took 22 threes. But I do love that they have guys who are uh, aggressively attacking the hoop. Yeah, I mean they're 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 definitely not in uh, the era of basketball that th- they're supposed to be in with Tibbs as their coach. I mean they're definitely just this like battering ram of a team that plays really hard on defense, and that's their identity. And to this point, it's been 
been really great for them. I mean, when was the last time that the Knicks were a relevant topic in the NBA? And a lot of it is Randall. It's R.J. Barrett. It's uh, Alfred Payton. Who's like, Alfred Payton's been actually super solid this year for them. Uh, and then they've got guys off the bench. Austin Rivers has had a nice season so far. And then Emmanuel Quickly, who's another one of these guys in this draft class that I think will have a long NBA career. He's He's been super nice. Yeah, he looks like a starting point guard. Uh, the the Clippers beat the juggernaut Cleveland Cavaliers 121 to 99. Um, I bring this up because we we don't really talk about blowouts very much on the on this show, but this one I think is worth mentioning. Um, the Clippers went 20 of 34 from three. For those of you counting at home, that's 58.8 percent. That's really good. The Cleveland Cavaliers went. They shot 40% from three, which is excellent. I mean, you know, there's just nothing you can do. Some games, the you know, you're going to play a team like the Clippers. They're going to hit 58.8% of your threes. You just got to match pace with them. 40%, hey, man, that's passable. That's great. That's great. Uh, they only shot 10 threes. It took 10. Yeah. What in the hell? What What are you doing? Paul George what do you took think nine. This is? What do you think this is? 1983? That is that is a weird one. Are you, is, are you? Oh, you gotta you gotta get the game over fast so you can go watch Return of the Jedi in the theater. Ten threes. I don't know how you only generate ten threes in an NBA offense these days. It's just, I mean, it's sad. They took ninety-two shots. <laughs> it isn't like they they you know they didn't turn the ball over a ton. They had eight turnovers, but they took ten threes. Yeah, that's my God. That is that is a problem. That is a problem. That's a, you will. That's lose. a math problem. You that's will a lose. math problem. You're going to lose every single time. Mm-hmm. You will. Yeah, they could have gone ten for ten. Off matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't Come on, Cleveland. Percentage doesn't matter at all at that point. Well, that's going to do it for today's show, guys. Don't forget about all the shows that we've got across the Athletic Podcast Network. You know all the shows. Go subscribe if you're not already. Theathletic.com slash Daily Ding is three ninety nine a month. Uh, thank you guys for waking up with us. We really do uh, enjoy it, and, and we love the feedback that we've been getting from you guys about the shows. Uh, so, again, thank you guys for waking up with us. Hope you have a great day. Andrew, take us home. Ding, ding. Ding.